Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I would get these uh, feelings of being woozy. It was uh, really unusual. And I was going to the doctor to find out what was wrong. They sent me to all kinds of specialists. It was after Dennis was arrested, and probably about two weeks later, it finally occurred to me, you know what? I'm not having any symptoms anymore. And then it occurred to me that Dennis and I were the only two people at the city who had access to a locked file cabinet for tranquilizer for um, animals. And I truly believe that Dennis was putting very tiny drops into my Diet Pepsi. I personally believe, and I have no way of being able to prove this, I was a guinea pig for his ability to use tranquilizer on other victims. You are hearing Mary Capps, who worked with a serial killer for seven years, only knowing him as a bad-tempered boss. But she came to realize she was lucky to be alive. We are talking about BTK, bind, torture, 
and kill serial killer Dennis Rader, who has spoken from behind jailhouse walls. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. BTK, Vine, Torture, and Kill, Dennis Rader. I knew something was up when I first found out he was a dog catcher. Okay, who wants to catch dogs to haul them off to be euthanized? I mean, is that some kind of a freaky calling? But other than that career choice, he he seemed to be normal. To John Limley, investigative reporter, who is BTK Dennis Rader? And he the guy who terrorized Wichita, Kansas for 17 years. We know of 10 brutal torture and murder victims. Dennis Rader, the oldest of four sons, though born in Pittsburgh, Kansas, he grew up in Wichita. He went into the Air Force. He worked as an assembler for the Coleman Company, that outdoor supply company. He began to show signs that things were just not quite right uh, as he was growing up. His uh, parents recalled seeing him uh, spending a lot of time alone. He was really obsessed with with death and the uh, as so often is the case, the the death of small animals. Okay, right there. You're it's a red bell of alarm. Joining me, John Limley, CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter. You can find this and all other breaking crime and justice news at CrimeOnline.com. Dr. William Maroney, uh, esteemed medical examiner, joining us, author of a brand new book on Amazon, American Narcan. Veteran trial lawyer out of L.A., Troy Slayton. He'll come up with a defense even for BTK. Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst, joining us from L.A. Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. And Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor. When you say tortured small animals, Dr. Bethany Marshall, all sorts of alarms go off in my head. Explain. Absolutely. I mean, you hear budding sociopaths. Um, what, what we know about sociopathy is that there is a wish to relate to everybody on the basis of power rather than affection. Sociopathy is a disorder of detachment. So sociopaths do not attach to other people in a loving way. They only want to dominate um, them. They have a parasitic relationship with them. They want to take things from them. They want to cheat on others. And so the behavioral pattern we see in children and youth who are going to become sociopaths is that they begin to assert their dominance over animals, often to the point of cruelty, of killing and maiming animals. And so this is really the canary in the coal mine. Basically, clinically, when you want to look back and see, is somebody a sociopath? You look at their relationships with animals in their youth and childhood. Okay, those were a lot of words. Dr. Bethany Marshall, I'm trying to process. Cheryl McCollum, break it down in regular people talk. It's straight out of the serial killer handbook. If you want to be a serial killer, you're going to start some fires. You're going to wet the bed past what we consider a normal age, and you're going to torture small animals. We are talking about BTK, bind, torture, and kill. Take a listen to Dr. Katherine Ramslin. But Raider's father worked long hours. He didn't see him a lot. He said his mother liked to read or watch TV, so she didn't pay a lot of attention to the kids. And she did let the grandparents take over 
some of the, the child rearing. I got along real well with Dad. But Mom always wasn't quite happy. I always loved her. I still love her greatly. But I did have a little, a little bit of grudge against Mom. I'm Dr. Katherine Ramsland. I'm a professor of forensic psychology. I've had extensive correspondence with Dennis Rader, the BTK serial killer, because I wrote a book with Dennis Rader called Confession of a Serial Killer. When he was young, his mother's ring got caught on a couch spring, and she couldn't get her hand out. She apparently was terrified and, and told him to go get help. And he felt the first stirrings of arousal over this. It was exciting to him to see a woman helpless. And it was the beginning of his ideas about women that what he wanted from them was to keep them trapped and helpless and looking to him in terror. That became imprinted in his mind and became the image he was always after. That is a, a discussion. You are hearing the voice of Catherine Ramsland, Dr. Catherine Ramsland, who had uh, d dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, conversations, correspondence with BTK. Raider insisting there is a, quote, dark side of him, the demons inside me. You know what? Cheryl McCollum, Wendy Patrick, Bethany Marshall, Troy Slayton, William Maroney. How many times do we have to see it? So often when we see horrific evil acts like those of BTK, Dennis Raider, buy and torture, kill. They blame the devil. Mm -hmm. Oh, the devil made me do it. It's the demon in me. Cheryl McCollum, this guy is blaming the quote demon inside of him. The devil. You remember that old phrase, the devil made me do it? That's what the person chuckles about. Oh yeah, Brett Wilson. It's complete garbage. He, he doesn't want to admit that it's him. So obviously he's going to say, hey, it was the devil, because what I did was so horrific and so horrible that when people hear about it, I've got to have an excuse ready. And the only excuse there is is the devil. Take a listen to what Jeffrey Davis, son of one of BTK's victims, has to say. Sitting here before us is a depraved predator a rabid animal that has murdered people, poisoned countless lives, and terrorized this community for 30 years, all the while relishing every minute of it. As such, there can be no justice harsh enough or revenge bitter enough, in this world at least, to cause the pain and suffering which a social malignancy like this has coming. Therefore, I have determined that for the sake of our innocent victims and their loving families and friends with us here today, for me, this will be a day of celebration, not retribution. If my focus were hatred, I would stare you down and call you a demon from hell who defiles this cord at the very sight of its cancerous presence. If I embraced bitterness, I would remind you that you are nothing but a despicable, child-murdering, cowardly, impotent, eunuch, and pervert masquerading as a human being. If I were the animal that you are, I would say that I relish the thought of you be being treated to the same despicable brutality, terror, and agony at the hands of your soon-to-be fellow inmates that you relished inflicting on your defenseless victims. If I were spiteful, I would remind you that it is only fitting that a twisted narcissistic psychopath obsessed with public attention will soon have his world reduced to an isolated, solitary existence in an 80-square-foot cell. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Wait with them. 
lived a normal life. And he decides to reappear? His ego was everything to him, and he was the master manipulator. Dennis Rader wanted to taunt the media and the police. He was mocking them. He started writing the most chilling letters to us. He thanked the news team for getting the word out. Many of us thought that he was contemplating another kill, and it could be someone in our station. I didn't know whether I was the next victim. You are hearing right there local news reporters recalling strange events surrounding the BTK investigation. And... I find it very, very odd to Wendy Patchett, California prosecutor, that he, the BTK killer, bind, torture, kill Dennis Rader, wanted to, quote, get the word out. Most killers want to keep it a secret. Well, you know, we live in a day and age where, unfortunately, the notoriety associated with some of these despicable actions is arousing to some suspects and some defendants. We've seen that with shootings. We've seen that with other types of killings. This man apparently was at it for three decades. And so at some point, it's almost like he wanted credit for his work. It's it's unthinkable, it's inhumane, but it's in this mindset, and that's part of why Dr. Ramsland wrote this book with him. It's this mindset that we wanna know in case we see red flags which, which I, I believably nobody saw in this particular case. That's part of the reason he wanted the story out. To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, what exactly happened? Nancy, let me, let me go on one thing real quick. When you have a killer like Son of Sam or Zodiac or BTK that gives themselves a nickname, that's a window into that person's ego. Of course he wanted credit. There was no other person like this. When he first decided he was going to kill, he didn't choose one victim. He chose a family that he was going to strangle with his bare hands and then proceeded to tell us, you know what? I just didn't know it was going to take that much strength. Seriously. That's what his issue was. That he just needed to get in better shape so he could keep killing. He gave himself a nickname. He reached out to the media. He wanted the credit. That's how you become famous. You know, to Troy Slayton, uh, veteran defense lawyer, how are you going to defend this? Raider, known as BTK, bind, torture, kill, actually once dressed up as one of his victims. I'm looking at the photo now. It's of him wearing that looks like to be kind of a, a dress, and he's tied himself all up, and he's wearing a blonde, freaky wig, and he looks like he's got on a, a doll mask with it's solid white with blackened out eyes and red blobs on the cheeks for rouge. And interestingly, he has tied a blue binding across his own mouth. I'm looking at the picture right now, Troy Slayton. Defense. This is clearly not somebody who is in control of all of their mental faculties, Nancy. But aside from that, in a case like this... Really? Because he held down a job as a dog catcher and was a leader in his local church, uh, a a former church leader who hid his killings from his wife and two children. Um, What about that? What do you mean he's insane? the, The Constitution of the United States of America protects everybody 
And so Uh-oh. what I do in a case I know like you're this in trouble. Is Wendy, they're in trouble I, when they start quoting the Constitution because there's I nothing rap- in the law that's going to protect this guy, <laughs> Wendy. When they start, what? the defense starts quoting the Constitution, I'm, I know they're in deep doo-doo. That's true. You only start, you only go there when you have nothing else. And it's, you know, it's when a you got- question for Troy because it's indefensible. It's one of those It is indefensible, uh, Miss Here Patrick. he comes with the Constitution again. Come at me, man. So I'm ready. What, what, the, what the defense attorneys need to do here is try and save his life. And so what we are looking to do Why? is to Why take, do we have to save his life? We're, we're looking to take the death penalty off the table. And so the def- entire purpose of the defense is to not try and have him be found not guilty, but it's to try and spare him. From the death penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's amazing how some people would interpret this as God getting up in the middle of it again because he was actually tracked. He was uh, ultimately brought down by a floppy disk that led police to trace it back to his church. Okay? So he, by, by Sunday mornings, is this churchgoer, worshiping family man the whole time he's out as a dog catcher tracking scoping out victims in various neighborhoods all over town to john limley crimeonline.com investigative reporter tell me about his crimes nancy the really interesting thing is to go back to the very first of those crimes and to uh to for a moment take this from the point of view of uh the survivors and uh the victims charlie otera was a 15 year old boy he had had a great day on this uh january afternoon he had aced okay when you say something like that john i know something bad is about to happen when you say something he had a great day or like it was a sunny afternoon that's how you always do it john limley and it was stab me go ahead it was sunny okay go ahead so as charlie otera is crossing the street uh to his family's uh white bungalow he sees that the garage door is open and his mother's car is missing Right there, he knows something is not right because his mother is always there to greet him when he gets home from school. So he walks around back trying to figure out what's going on. The family dog then runs toward him across the snow. No one ever let this dog, a German Shepherd mix, Lucky, out of the house, outside alone at least. Charlie walks into the kitchen, notices a half-made peanut butter sandwich sitting on the table besides an empty lunch lunchbox. It seems that his 14-year-old brother and 13-year-old sister had returned home just minutes before him. And Carmen, the girl, comes running and says, come quick, mom and dad are playing a bad joke on us. It's anything but a joke. From the doorway of his parents' bedroom, Charlie sees his dad on the carpet by the bed. He has been strangled with a belt. Um, He's a handsome guy, but his features were grotesquely swollen. His mother lay on the mattress, uh, some clothesline clenched and cinched around her neck. Both of them had been bound with thin cord at the wrists and ankles. And at this point, uh, they think that uh, another brother and sister are 
still at school, but they'll find out differently, unfortunately. When you say that, it just breaks my heart because it, it makes me think of my own children coming in to find such a horrible thing. I want you to hear from his own mouth, Dennis Rader, describing very unemotionally the Otero family, his first victims. They, uh, you know, they talked to me about, uh, uh, you know, giving the car and whatever money. I guess they didn't have very much money. And uh, the, there I realized that, uh, you know, I was already, I didn't have a mask on or anything. They already could ID me and uh, uh, made, a, made a decision to go ahead and, and uh, cut them down, I guess, or strangle them. Uh, I had never strangled anyone before, so I really didn't know how much pressure you had to put on a person or how long it would take. I uh, strangled <coughs> Mrs. Otero, and she went out, or passed out. I thought she was dead. She passed out. And I strangled uh, uh, Josephine. She passed out, or I thought she was dead. And, uh, and then I went over and uh, put a, uh, and then uh, put a bag on uh, uh, Junior's head. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. They, uh, you know, they talked to me about, uh, uh, you know, giving the car and whatever money. I guess they didn't have very much money. And uh, the, there I realized that, uh, you know, I was already, I didn't have a mask on or anything. They already could ID me and uh, uh, made, a, made a decision to go ahead and, and uh, cut them down, I guess, or strangle them. I had never strangled anyone before, so I really didn't know how much pressure you had to put on a person or how long it would take. I uh, strangled Mrs. Otero, and she went out, or passed out. I thought she was dead. She passed out. Then I strangled uh, uh, Josephine. She passed out, or I thought she was dead. And uh, then I went over and uh, put a, uh, and then uh, put a bag on uh, uh, Junior's head. You are hearing. BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill, Serial Killer, Dennis Rader, the dog catcher, describing with very little emotion how he, quote, put him down. How he killed the Otero family, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Listen to what he says next. Josephine had woke back up, and I took her to the basement and eventually uh, hung her. I had some sexual fantasies, but that was uh, after she was hung. Went through the house, uh, kind of cleaned it up. Uh, it's called the right-hand rule. You go from room to room. Uh, picked everything up. I think I took uh, Mr. Otero's watch. There, I guess I took a radio. I uh, I forgot about that, but apparently I took a radio. Did you hear what he just said? He's talking about killing Mr. and Mrs. Otero, but then he goes on on to talk about killing very dispassionately Josephine Otero. Josephine, he hung Josephine. She was just 11 years old. He hung her in the basement. Josephine Otero. To John Lindley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. I'm looking at photos right now as they haul out on a gurney a little body covered with a blanket. And just like 
the brother says there's snow outside it's just you know a suburban home they're walking up the path a body is being removed from the scene of btk's first known murders joseph julie josephine and joseph the second all four of them found dead in their home I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at the little boy, Joseph Otero II, and little Josephine. How was Josephine found, John Limley? Joey had been asphyxiated with a plastic bag in his bedroom. Josie's partially clad body was hanging from a pipe in the basement. Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst, joining me from L.A., he said he had a sexual fantasy he's lying he lived out that sexual fantasy Mm. on that little girl he lived it out that little girl hanging in the basement nancy you know we know that certain animals are born with a predatory instinct like say a lion on the savannah might eat a springbok and not think twice about it it's lunch it's bad for the springbok but lion doesn't think much about it that's what we call cold-blooded and this is very rare amongst humans but some human beings are born with a very strong predatory instinct and killing is just like an animal that's trying to get its lunch it's that inconsequential to them and when i hear the btk killer in court and in these interviews say yeah i had to apply a little more pressure oh you know what he he tore the bag that was over his head so i put another bag over his head just to make sure he was dead. I hear something called alexithymia, and alexithymia is when a person uses the same words you and I might use, but the meanings are very thin. Like, put a bag over his head, hang her in the basement, apply more pressure. These would be horrifying things for us to say, but they have absolutely no meaning to the BTK killer. And then you put that sexual overlay on it, that for a human being, who cannot feel. There are no emotions about anything. This kind of a sociopath is going to have a very difficult time with sexual arousal because he's not going to be able to feel sexual arousal in normal ways with with a same age sex partner. So what he's going to do is inflict cruelty on his victims in order to enhance his sexual arousal. And in this, this is the distinction in the lit- literature between sociopaths and psychopaths. Sociopaths are just mean, heartless. They commit crimes. With the psychopath, you have the additional the addition of cruelty and the commission of the crimes. To Dr. William Maroney, medical examiner, joining us and author of a new book on Amazon, American Narcan. Dr. Maroney, he speaks, Dennis Rader, BTK, speaks so dispassionately, so unemotionally in court. It's like he's reading a medical document about how he murdered his victims, including hanging the nine-year-old little girl before having a sex fantasy on her. Dr. Maroney, what does the victim live through when they are strangled dead? Strangulation is part of a much larger comorbid condition called asphyxia. Asphyxia is the lack of oxygen to the brain. Blood brings oxygen to the brain. Asphyxia is caused by, obviously, strangulation, uh, carbon monoxide, drowning, drug overdose, any other kind of gas that replaces the environment, respiratory disease, sleep apnea. But here, strangulation is the cause of asphyxia. So you slowly kind of wander off into the fog and then you never wake up. But in a strangulation, there is the violent struggle. You are physically being assaulted 
to shut down the blood to your brain by the assailant. And while he's dispassionately talking about this in court, it's a very active, uh, full contact, negative experience, but suffocating people, asphyxiating people, they, they fall away. Unless it's strangling, it's violent, and it's a very full contact experience. Isn't it true, Dr. Moroni, that when you recover a strangulation victim's body, sometimes their neck is like um, three or four inches wide? Their whole neck has been contorted and, and constricted so much, it stays that way. Well, there's a big part of the neck that compresses. The, your blood vessels are full of blood. Ordinarily, they're pumping, and you shut them down. You close them. So all the blood that's in the head that has no oxygen is stuck there, and all the fresh blood below the belt or the rope or the grasp, the hands, So it is basically plumbing, and you're shutting off the oxygen that's carried by the blood. And if you strangle somebody hard enough, you squeeze them down to the bones of their throat and their spine. Listen to Beverly Platt, whose sister Nancy was murdered by Dennis Rader. I lost a friend, a confidant. My children will never have an aunt. I'll never have another sister. Nancy's death is like a deep wound that will never, ever heal. As far as I'm concerned, Dennis Rader does not deserve to live. I want him to suffer as much as he made his victims suffer. But then, when I think about that in his sick, perverted way, he'd probably find that as some kind of pleasure or reward. This man needs to be thrown in a deep, dark hole and left to rot. He should never, ever see the light of day. And I have some afterlife scenarios for him on the day he dies. Nancy and all of his victims will be waiting with God and watching him as he burns in hell. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Her uh, execution by that monster was, you know, he's got to go on and live his life 31 years now with raising a family and children and career and everything. And, you know, he snuffed out 10 people's lives. Right now he's not any remorse, no remorse, no compassion, no, he had no mercy. And I think that's what he ought to receive. And I just... And I pray that he'll get the toughest sentence possible. I just, it's like Charlie was saying, he's being judged here now, but eternity, when he stands before the Lord for eternity, for his judgment, if he's still in his sins that he's committed here, he will spend it by himself in darkness. And, you know, that's that's what I'd like to tell him. You're hearing Kevin Bright, who survived the attack that killed his sister Catherine. You know what? I wish what he said were true, that he would live the re- out the rest of his days before his death in remorse. But I, I, I don't think he feels remorseful about it if you listen to him in court. I mean, take a listen to Dennis Rader, who dubbed himself Bind, Torture, Kill, as he describes how he selected his victims. I had 
many what I call them projects. There were different people in the town that I followed, watched. Uh, Kathleen Bright was one of the next targets, I guess, as I would indicate. Uh, just driving by one day, and I saw her go in the house with somebody else, and I thought that's a possibility. There was many, many places in the area. College Hill, they're all over Wichita, but anyway, that's, it just was basically a selection process, work toward it, if it didn't work, I just move on to something else. But in the, in the, my kind of person, a stocking and scrolling, you go through the trolling stage and then a stocking stage, she was in the stocking stage when this happened. That's a possibility? To Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst out of L.A., he saw the woman just walking in. That, and he's talking about Catherine Bright, you just heard her brother Kevin mm. speaking, and he looked at her and he goes, well, that's a possibility. I mean, it's just like they have a total different mind than we have. That, yes, that is a possibility. Nancy, I used to have a cat who would bring me all kinds of little trophies and treasures. I'd come home, there'd be a mouse on the front doorstep, or there'd be a lizard, and invariably the cat would want to toss it around proudly. That cat looked so proud whenever it caught, killed something, and brought it to me. And I think about this Dennis Rader as an animal, one of these rare people whose predatory instinct is on overdrive, and he's sitting in the court like a cat with tossing a little mouse around saying, oh, I did this, and then I did that, and he is happy about it. And you have the overlay of the fact that he's a human. He's not a cat. He's not a tiger. This is a human being. And what do you get in a human being? You get something that we call grandiosity, which is a core feature of sociopathy. He's grandiose. He's having his day in court. Now he thinks he's actually like the venerated professor who's teaching everybody what it means to be a serial killer. Well, step one, ladies and gentlemen, you drive down the street. Step two, you identify your victim. Step three, and eh, maybe not this one. I think I'll go look for another one. Can you hear how he feels he's teaching the people in the court? This is like a very sick, twisted version of grandiosity. And we've seen this in every sociopath we've covered on your show. Wendy Patrick with me, veteran California prosecutor that has handled many, many homicide prosecutions. Wendy, how did BTK, Dennis Rader, actually implement, execute his crimes? You know, the short answer is easily because he was somebody that wasn't a suspect. I mean, he had some status in his community. He had a job. He was a churchgoer. He had a family, Nancy. Think about that. So when you have somebody like this that seems relatively unassuming and unsuspicious, it is easy for him to go out and find victims, as in his own words, troll them, then stalk them attack them, then kill them in a number of different ways as we've seen over the years. So he was apparently able to move about freely without drawing suspicion. And that makes him one of the scariest and one of the most dangerous serial killers. But I hate to say it, Nancy, it follows the pattern of other killers just like him that lead apparently normal lives on the outside. I don't really understand the phenomenon of him writing letters to taunt the public through the local news media. And Troy Slayton, his methodical way of picking his victims and executing these crimes, sneaking into their house under different pretenses like being a repairman or somebody to check the gas meter or whatever his pretext was, showed a lot of forethought. And he has so many victims. How do you even fashion a defense for that? Well, it's it's certainly not easy, and I think that the defense team here uh, had certainly a, a tough job, and so it was focused, uh, like I've like I've mentioned before, on purely trying to convince prosecutors that the pain of going through um, a, a protracted litigation, 
uh, would would just cause more damage to the victims, that it would be better for the victims to be able to give their impact statements to the court, which they did, and for the state of Kansas to not uh, seek to execute. And as that's oh. as that's not going to bring any of the 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 tragic victims back to life. Is that is that how you justify it, Troy? That a death penalty won't bring the victims back? I mean, I've only known so far of one person brought back from the dead. I mean, unless you count Lazarus, but uh, I'm not expecting a, a, a miracle. Of course, he's not going to. We're not. You can't bring the victims back. That's the whole point, Troy Slayton. Nancy. Yes. The defense attorney's job here was to prevent another killing. Blah, and that's blah, the defendant blah. himself. Okay. And and they succeeded. And instead, he will spend his life in prison. You know what? You, you, you speak of it like you're analyzing a, a problem in, a, in an algebra book. Listen to Raider. Actually, on that one, she was completely random. Uh, there was actually someone across from Dylan's was a potential target. Uh, it was called Project Green, I think. I had project numbers assigned to it. And that particular day, I uh, drove to Dylan's park in the parking lot, watched this particular residence, and then got out of the car and walked over to it. Uh, it's probably the police report, the address. I don't remember the address now. Knocked. Nobody, nobody answered it. So I was all peed up. So I just uh, started going through the neighborhood. I'd been through the neighborhood before. I kind of knew uh, a little bit of the layout of the neighborhood. Uh, I've been through the back alleys, knew where some certain people live. You know, to you. Uh Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, he kept writing the TV station, KAKE in Wichita, claiming responsibility for all the murders and suggesting names for himself, including BTK, demanding media attention until they finally announced publicly that Wichita had a serial killer. He even made a poem which was stealing the lyrics to an old folk song, and he called it, Oh, Death to Nancy. Again. His ego played such a role in these crimes. It, again, reminds me of Son of Sam. You know, he wrote poetry, Zodiac. He, he contacts, when the letters don't do it, he calls. And remember how sinister he tried to be? This is Zodiac. You know what I mean? They've given themselves nicknames. They're not just playing out these fantasies. Nancy, they're living it. Let me just uh, say these names out loud. Joseph Otero, 38. Julie Otero, 33. Joseph Otero, Jr., age 9. Josephine Otero, 11. Catherine Bright, 21. Shirley Van, 24. Nancy Fox, 25. Maureen Hedge, 53. Vicki Wajeri, 28. Dolores Davis, 62. That we know of. And I think somewhere out there in the universe, all of them agree with me, Dennis Rader, rot in hell. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.